who you are, what you do, and then we can just go into your your background and then um, sort of bring us up to sort of modern day running higher right talent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have I've worked since I was 16, so never not been in work, worked in retail, great fun. <laughs> no. um, but I also think everybody should have to work in retail or hospitality before they go into anything because it teaches you a lot about customer service and it teaches you a lot about the general public. I think um, yeah. it would be nicer to each other if they had to work in any of those roles first. Um, so went to uni, did a degree in fine art. Um, so I've actually got an art degree. It's incredibly useful. Um, but, you know, good fun. Uni's great fun. Um, then out of uni, um, I went into visual merchandising. Then I had a direct sales job. So one of those jobs where you get people to sign up for charity donations, um, which if anyone knows me now, I'm sort of a huge introvert. I don't even like picking up the phone to people. So um, Can I tell you an awful story actually job? about this, about direct selling? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, uh, I don't think I mentioned this before, but I had a friend. So when i um i moved to wales uh and i was i was sharing a flat with one of my friends one of my childhood friends and he was struggling to get a job because he was quite he was quite young he didn't have much experience and he ended up getting one of these direct se- selling jobs door to door sales and he was selling charity um charity something or other right it was something to do with cancer i think it was like you know raising i think you you sold the tickets or something and then it, it was money you to the charity lots of direct debits or the the lottery ones it, those are generally the, the the two options that you get yeah yeah exactly so this guy right um it was awful what he did so what he would do to make sales is he would bear in mind they're selling cancer whatever um yeah. Yeah. He, he shaved his head so he was bald he put a little beanie hat on, right? And then what he would do is he'd go to the door and he showed the other guys how to do this, by the way. So it wasn't like his little trick that he was keeping secret. It wasn't subtle. He'd go and he'd be like mid-pitch and he'd be like, yeah, yeah, so basically what we do is we help people with cancer, blah, 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 blah. Um, and, and then he'd go, yeah, because obviously there's a lot of people who have cancer and sort of take his beanie hat off subtly. And he'd be like, yeah, so obviously X amount of people, um, they suffer from, they they go through chemo and stuff. Awful. But yeah, anyway, just had to get that out of there. Continue. (laughs) After we've just talked about morals and things like that, Mm. we're like, yeah, let's pretend I've uh, got cancer to sign people up to charity. Excellent. Um, Karma comes around to those people. I truly believe that. It comes around to those people and and not in a good way. So, you know... Yeah, so again, not the easiest job in the world, um, quite challenging. Um, people don't tend to like you very much, which, in all fairness, if somebody tries to stop me and sell me stuff now, I'm like, don't make eye contact, you know, and walk as fast as you can in the opposite direction. But anyway, it taught me a lot about sales, um, and it means you can spot somebody trying to sell you a mile off because they teach you all the, the techniques. So mm. it's quite funny um, now that you can, you can spot those things a mile off. Anyway, um, so with that experience, I um, I, I went into my first recruitment role. Um, so again, it was quite a small agency um, in the IT space. Um, again, did did quite well. Um, 
and that was kind of a full 360 role. Um, so won some quite decent um, clients for the business there, um, but found that I didn't really love doing the, the agency side. Um, again, you know, it was the, the full sales thing. It's not something I necessarily enjoy. I'm, I'm a bad at it. I don't think so because I, I did all right in these jobs, but it's something I, I really don't enjoy doing. Um, and it's almost why I feel a lot of agencies are, are quite good when they separate those two roles. I often find, again, I've, I've been out of agency recruitment a while, but I do find that people who are really good at the sales side aren't always good at the candidate side and vice mm. versa. And so if you specialise in those areas, they tend to perform better overall. But that's just my opinion. It might not work in every no, I actually agree with anyway. you. Yeah, I just find that they're two different skill sets. Um, and yeah, um, so went from there to my first in-house role. Um, so that was with Intercity. Um, so I was with Intercity for five plus years. Um, so moved from doing internal recruitment, then I was doing internal recruitment and uh, some of the internal comms for the business. And then um, during COVID, a, a role in the marketing team came up um and i yeah I, I moved over into the marketing team um all the while um it was after my sort of first first year at intercity so i went on uh, mitch sullivan's copywriting for recruiters course um from there started posting more on linkedin had a post go hugely viral and suddenly had a load of you know attention on there which is crazy um and actually met kira um, who I run Pyrite with now, um, set that up, um, and you know the rest they say is history. Um, so I, I left my full time role um, actually in Feb, so it's coming off my maternity leave. But that was that was more to do with um, so I've got an autoimmune condition. We we spoke about this um, and doing that with the cost of childcare. And running the business and all of that, it was just, you know, I had to be honest and be like, look, this is this is too much. I need to, to pick a thing, pick a lane. Um, and so, you know, wanted to make the, the freelance side of things successful. So here we are with High Right now, um, fully focused on that and the writing side of things. Um, and yeah, so, so that's where we are now. So so what, um, what do you guys specifically do then? Like, what's your elevator pitch? What industry do you do you focus on that sort of thing? Um, so we're first and foremost copywriters. Um, so we write stuff for businesses in a really basic sense, and generally specialise in the recruitment industry. Um, because we were both recruiters, um, both in house and agencies, so we've done both sides. Um, both done Mitch's course, so know that that industry sort of inside and out, and being able to kind of write for for that industry. Um, but I've also done a lot within kind of the tech industry, um, so AI, voice tech, um, managed services, cloud, like all of that, software as a service, so done a lot within there. Um, but then we've also had some really kind of um, unique customers as well, so we had um, Cake Shop, um, that, that was one that we did for, um, I've written for vegan blogs. Um, so. A little bit of everything um, mm. we can definitely write for, um, but in terms of specialisation, I would say the, the big ones are 
um, recruitment and, and the tech space. And if it's recruitment in the tech space, I mean, there you go. That, that's that's the uh, the background that both of us are from. Um, so, yeah, those are the, 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 the main areas. But, I, I mean, when we say copywriting, some of it is kind of like on retainer. So we'd... Um, you know if any in mails writing blogs writing do a little bit of everything but also do things like um some tone of voice consultancy and creating tone of voice guides that can be then distributed to the the wider business to ensure that that's kind of consistent um doing some sort of um, marketing consultancy and, and and talking through what bits we can deliver on and which areas we think they might need help with um you know, because we, we, we can do a little bit of everything, you know, I, I can do um, graphic design, but would I sell myself as a graphic designer? No, mm. I'd probably encourage them to, to work with um, a freelance designer. But, you know, sometimes when we're doing mock-ups and things, I'll, I'll create that for them because it's nice to see visually. So um, anything that involves the words that your business is putting out is the stuff that we can help with, generally. So... Because I, this is a topic I'm so interested in because my um, my background's obviously sales. So, you know, I know quite a lot about sales and business development. And I set up my business about, uh, what are we talking now? Nine, ten months ago. So as a small business owner, because I've only been focused on like the sales silo whenever I've been working, the longer I'm a small business owner, the more I'm starting to realize I need to learn more about different areas. So this is why I'm getting into marketing. Mm. So I'm reading about marketing at the moment. Um, and also copywriting as well. I, I started getting really interested in copywriting. Like it was probably, I think it was probably actually the lull we had in 2021. So I know some markets did quite well in 2021, but for us in tech, oh, I can only speak for our own experience at our agency, but we were really struggling at times um, just to get a response off a candidate, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, the approach we'd always had, the way I'd, I was taught, and I actually would say as well, my messages are usually, you know, a bit better than the average recruiters. Um, but our messaging in hindsight was so crap like just so matter of fact on the point there was no there was nothing to sort of entice people in and um when the lull happened in 2021 where it was extremely candidate driven um candidates were getting if you were if you were a half decent candidate on 40k you were getting offers at 70k 80k and you were getting five really good opportunities a day sent into your inbox it was it must have been amazing like i know of um some like junior developers who are on well actually i worked with a guy right this this uh, this is the example i always give at the time um he was on there's a guy called steve he was a junior to mid-level c++ developer he i think he went from like 40 to 50k because his company just gave him a pay rise out of nowhere because they knew what was going on in the market right yeah so just just 40 put him on 50 40 be safe he obviously is smart so he was actually no now i'm gonna look so i've just had a pay rise now i'm gonna look obviously told everyone who's on 50 um he i managed to get him an offer at 67 or something right yeah nice. thought he was gonna accept that he got a counter offer at 70 
they my client against my advice because i was like this is ridiculous let's just go find someone else they offered him 75 and then his current company matched it and offered him 75 and they basically just said look we'll just go as high as we need to go because we can't lose you so he he went from um 40 to 50 to 75 and he wasn't even that great like you know average degree average experience so we anyway my point is that we really had to start looking at how we were writing messages uh, because our response rate was like six percent on linkedin and as you probably know if if you go below i think it's 13 percent um response rate you get a linkedin ban on 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 uh, so um linkedin recruiter so yeah anyway this is something i'm really interested in because i feel like a I feel like I'm back in like a telesales job, learning how to like speak to people over the phone again, but for copywriting, because I'm really work trying to work on my copy. Um, with regards to like where you start with people, right? So you've got a complete beginner. They know nothing about copy. What's the first like few fundamentals that you would teach them? The biggest thing, um, and I'd imagine most copywriters will tell you this. It's not a difficult concept to find. Take what you want and just throw it out the window. Throw it out the conversation because what you want doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you want out of the person. What matters is what they want and their wants, their needs, how they think currently is the most important conversation. And Again, it's something that Mitch teaches in his course. Why are you starting up a job advert with, I have got an exciting opportunity? Exciting to who? Exciting to who? Just because you think it's exciting doesn't mean the person reading it does. And that is the absolute fundamental of good copies. You take your audience and you've got to write for them. Not for you, not what you want, write for them. What does a candidate want most of all? Generally, the big one is they want a nice big salary because who doesn't? Everything's bloody expensive. <laughs> they want they want a decent salary. So, you know, that that's a great selling point. But obviously, you know, not every company can offer a bigger salary. So, what else do we look at? Do we look at the um, do we look at the work life balance? Do we look at um, the flexible working patterns? Do we look at X, Y, and Z? Why would a person want to uproot themselves from this role to another one? You put yourself in their shoes and you write for them. You do not write for you. And that is the thing that so many people forget. And if you look at examples of writing from people that generally haven't used a copywriter or have used a copywriter and ignored their advice, mm. they will write them first and 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 they will be the focus of that and a lot of that is just because it's ego driven it's really really ego driven writing um and it's forgetting the fundamental of most business in that your customer is the most important person mm. um and a lot of writing forgets that so that that's the fundamental is it is you you're writing for them um and that isn't sort of mind-blowing advice but so many people forget it and you will see it with a lot of recruiter messages and in the mails and um, oh, i've got this exciting opportunity 
oh, I've got this right. They're looking for X, Y, and Z. Cool. Great. I'm, I'm really happy for them. But yeah. how does that impact me in the slightest? You know, and it's when some things ask a question, like um, when when some sales messages ask like really stupid questions, like, um, you know, are you looking for a new role? Sometimes you feel like just going, no. Just, just to be belligerent, just to be yeah. sometimes like the little part of my brain is like just to be like a little sad little troll, just going no. Is this interesting? No, but that that's the key point, and it and it, it you know a lot of that derives from empathy, um, and if you do not have empathy for the person that you're selling to, it's difficult to sell to them because you're forgetting all of the the different variables that people have got as well um so empathy is really key and and writing in their shoes um and you know it stands to reason you've got to have a half decent grasp of language as well so you have to to write and if you don't ask somebody for help ask somebody mm. for help ask somebody to look over it ask somebody to read it read it back to yourself use one of the text-to-speech things to get it to read it back. How does that sound to you? Um, Utilise all those tools to your advantage. Um, and I think they, that those would be the, the big ones because not everyone is a copywriter and that's okay. That's fine. Um, yeah. But if you, if you simply put yourself... Um, obviously, your audience is recruiters, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak to them. Put yourself in your candidate's shoes. Think about what they want and what's important to them and tailor your message accordingly. That is the simplest advice I can say without saying, you know, reach out to a copywriter and tell them to do X, Y, and Z and be creative with it. Without being creative, without being clever, without using any interesting techniques, start there. Yeah. One um one thing I found useful when I first st started trying to write better job ads because I was taught how probably ninety nine percent of recruiters are taught it was just here's a template here's something we've used for the last five years it starts with my client you give it it's basically yeah. a you know a, a slightly better version of the JD um, we all know it we all know. my client is looking for an experienced developer based in London blah 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 blah. They're a fast-growing, yeah. innovative, fast blah blah growing, blah yeah. fintech company based in London. Okay, With a cool. Salary, yeah, yeah. And I was told they were good as well. By the way, I, I wrote one that I look back now and I'm like, that was absolute horseshit. But my my director was like, yeah, it's good, it's good, good, good job ad. I was like, right, okay. And that's what I thought was good. And then you know, you don't question it, do you? Because your job isn't a copywriter as well. This is the thing. Like, as much as yeah, exactly, your job isn't a copywriter. Yeah, because because now I've learned so much. I've I've learned a lot, and um, you know, I've spoken to to different copywriters. Obviously, had Dave Harland as well on on the podcast um a couple of months ago, um, and it's you know I learned so much from every conversation with a copywriter, um, but every time I see an ad on LinkedIn and it's it starts with my client, it's like for, so so anyway, my what I found really on a really basic level. I used to have like a list of sentences and words that I wasn't allowed to use because I think once you once you remove the stuff you always use like my client and all that yeah. kind of stuff innovative fast growing all that stuff stick it on a on a on a like a uh, blacklist 
it's like, oh crap, now I can't use these words I default to. And that's when I started like being able to craft something different because I think it's all well and good saying to someone, be creative. What, what does that look like? What, what do you mean be creative? Yeah. So I, my, my first question to you about this is, do you, like, how do you, is there a framework of like going about and understanding your audience? Like, do, is, is it like a methodology of how you do it? Or is it just a case of, you just have to sit down with a pen and paper in a, in a quiet room and just list out your your market or what you think your market's having problems with. So with the with the new customer, we'd always do um, a really extensive um, brief sheet, and it goes really sort of in depth into sort of who they are, what they do, and how they do it. Um, because differentiating one recruitment agency from another recruitment agency. Um, as you well know, um, can be really challenging because mm. when you ask them, you know, what's your USP? They don't have one. Their USP is, oh, they get to work with me. <laughs> great. Yeah. Um, that's a great selling point. Thanks. Um, so those brief sheets are really, really important to actually understand them on a deeper level. And it also helps understand if we can actually help them, because if somebody's turning around and saying that 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 is their USP and you cannot dig any further into anything that they do differently, I can't help you. I cannot help you, because if you're not doing anything differently, then what do you expect? You're going to get the same results as everybody else doing things in the exact same way. Um, Even if they turn around and go, well, we're going to engage you to help write all of our job ads, all of this. Actually, it's a great selling point to their clients. You're using a copywriter to write your job mm. ads to attract better quality candidates. That's fine too, as long as they, you know, they can be open about that. But digging really deep into kind of the, the, the person behind the business and how they operate and really getting to know them as a, as a company um, and the people that they serve is really key to writing um copy that actually resonates with their their audience um you, you've got to understand them to be able to sell to them essentially um so that brief sheet's really key yeah yeah it's an interesting one with recruitment isn't it because like you said everyone's they try to sell as if they got a usp but the usps don't really exist in recruitment and everyone always has um like a lot of my time for my own business development and it's something i've started doing a bit more of um because i'm also uh guilty of sending out mass mails and that sort of stuff to try and get some quick wins tried it out it doesn't work everyone told me it wasn't going to work all the copyright advice said it wasn't going to work i was like you know what? i'll try it i'll test out this new automation software i've invested in it didn't work um so i've started doing far more targeted personalized stuff Believe it or not, I've started getting a lot more replies. You know, it's 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 almost like <laughs> all the advice works. But I've been yeah. reading through um, recruitment websites quite a lot over the last couple of weeks. And um, it is funny how, like, I'll go on the website, I'll read for about five minutes, and I'll email the director and say, I'll be honest with you, as a reader, I don't know what you guys are offering because it's all just waffle. Like, it's all, like, non-tangibles. Like, we've got 35 years combined experience. What does that even mean? Like, that could be 35 years of, like, crap recruitment. And, um, yeah, it's... You... It's all just stuff for the sake of saying stuff. That mm. That's all it is. It's 
stuff just for the sake of filling a page up with words and it, it's just the most pointless copy because it doesn't tell a candidate anything and it doesn't tell a, a business who's buying from you anything either because you're great you can have 35 years experience but as you said it could be full of bad practice terrible mm. negative reviews x y and z you know it, it doesn't mean it's good experience somebody could have started up an agency with six months experience but have absolutely nailed what they're doing and be you know absolutely incredible at what they do um so you know saying stuff for just the sake of filling the words filling the page with words is just it's just pointless you're not mm. speaking to anybody you're just floating words off into the ether so um, because they think they think it needs to be there so how would you because again like recruit recruiters um you know what what part of my job is is helping them differentiate themselves um yeah. because there is a, such a low bar in recruitment like you don't really need to do much to be better than a lot of them but how how would you go about that like where do usps come from because i've seen this a lot where um i've seen some people on linkedin they work with agencies to help that sort of area of their business and one of them said um like every agency has a uh, sort of not if not a usp like every agency is different so d does it get d do you sometimes work with agencies or, or speak to agencies and you're just like i can't do anything for you guys we are, we've definitely had ones where you know we, we we've told them look this job ad you know there's nothing in there that is going to sell this to a candidate there was, there's just nothing. Um, and that's been sort of through direct employers and agencies. So, you know, be, be, always be really honest with that stuff because, you know, sometimes like no salary, standard, you know, holiday and leave, cycle to work scheme, specs, you know, all of that stuff, you know, what are we meant to sell this on? You know, you can dig deeper and be like, is the training involved? Is the X, Y and Z, you know, you know, um, do you send them on any specialist training? Is there any specialist mentorship you offer? Is this a role where somebody who is inexperienced can come in and learn this job and actually have a great big sort of step up and career tra trajectory? Um, you know, there's all these ways that you can kind of tease out all these these threads. Um, and you can always help agency owners, you know, try to find that USP. Um but occasionally some of them are, are are so set in their ways and convinced that what they do is different but can't actually articulate that. And if they, they can't articulate that and all the questioning can't articulate that, then no, we probably can't help you. But those agency owners don't tend to come to a copywriter in the first place. So we don't, don't tend to have that problem massively because they're not the kind of people who would come to us anyway. Um, mm. Because they're so convinced they do something different, their ego's telling them, we're the best at, at this. We don't need help. We don't need somebody to. We're experts to in our field. We're experts in our field, exactly. So it, it's not a problem that arises massively because they're not the sort of people that are reaching out for help anyway. Mm. Um, but, you know, it, it can be challenging because a lot of agencies are very similar. But I think for the most part, there is always something you can find um and some some thread that you can latch on to that is like yeah these guys do do things a little bit differently 
Um, but it's generally the people that do things a little bit differently that are reaching out to copywriters to help them in the first place, if that makes sense. Yeah, because they've got that growth mindset and, you know, they're also the type of people who would invest in training and, and, and whatever, right? So um, it's a shame because I, I find the recruitment industry coming into it um coming coming to it as a coach because obviously when you're when you're in, in an agency and, and you're actually a recruiter you don't look at what the rest of the yeah. industry is doing really because you're yeah. so focused on your own job and, <laughs> yeah. Busy, yeah exactly yeah you, you you know you're working in the tech market so you're 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 in you're, you've got your finger on the pulse in the tech market but you're not really seeing what other recruitment agencies are doing or how they're doing it and whatever um but it's a. Uh, it's been interesting the last, you know, the last nine months or so for me, um, speaking directly with recruiters, seeing how everyone's doing things and stuff, and how so many, and you've touched on it a few times there, but they're so resistant to change, and it, a lot of it is down to ego in that, um, you know, for every for every person I speak to who goes, do you know what? I've been doing this 20 years, but you know, maybe, maybe I should look around. Maybe there's, there is a better way to do it. I'm good at what I do for sure. Like, you know, I've got the billions and whatever. doesn't mean there isn't a better way to do it or a quicker way to do it or whatever. Um, for everyone, one of those, there's, you know, 900. No, we're, we're doing fine. We're doing fine. Yeah, no, but what, what if you, you know, your job ads aren't fine. No, they're fine. They, what they work, we get, we get candidates, but maybe you could, triple the amount of candidates you get or you know half the time to hunt now it's or, fine. or get less candidates but ones that are all actually fit the role because getting tons and tons of applicants doesn't mean anything because you can write a job ad that appeals to people and get hundreds of applicants and two of them be good or you can write a great tailored job ad and get 10 applicants and all 10 be good you know the the ones that are resistant to change again aren't ever going to reach out for, for mm. our help anyway um because they are set in their ways and as you say it all stems from ego being convinced that there's nothing left to learn and there's always stuff to learn and the whole um this big sort of ai boom that's coming now the ones that are going to be resistant to that again they are going to struggle because it's going to change it's going to change a lot of things and you know, there's that saying that's floating around at the moment that AI won't take your job, but somebody using AI will. And I think that's probably the case. Mm. Um, and again, the agencies and the agency owners and the recruiters um, that, again, are convinced that they can't get better or can't improve aren't the ones that are going to be in it for the long term and be successful in the long term. Um, yeah, because I think in any career, in any job, doing what I do, you've always got to be open to learning new things and things changing because things don't stay the same. That's just a fact of life. Mm. Yeah, it's it's good. So I, that was on my list of questions, to be honest with you. But you know, you've mentioned it now, so I really want to know your answer. How are you feeling as a copywriter with ChatGPT? Because I know that I follow a few on LinkedIn and. Um, you know, rightfully they are, you know, disparaging the quality of it because a lot of people, clueless people, including me, might look at a job ad generated by chat GPT and be like, oh, it's class and it's free. Um, but you know, then you sort of dig a little deeper and you're like, oh, actually this is terrible. This is only marginally better than the average recruitment. So what, what, 
what are you thinking? How do you think this is going to affect the copywriting industry? Um, so again, if I had, you know, if I could predict exactly how it would happen, I'd be getting paid a lot more by like Deloitte or, or one of those guys. They'd be paying me a lot more for my industry insight and uh, prediction abilities. But um, again, the tool is only as good as the person wielding it. I think that's the key. Um, you can create quality, sometimes a fair amount of quality with ChatGPT, as long as you've got an eye for quality in the first place. Yeah. Um, as long as you can write decent prompts and then go through the copy and be able to edit it and change it and tweak it, then you can actually generate something decent. And it's a really great tool for helping you to do that. But you've got to have the eye for it in the first place. If you haven't got an eye for writing or an eye for creativity or copy, then you're probably going to struggle to prompt it well. And then you're going to struggle to edit the writing that comes out of it as, at the same time. So it's the same as anything, really. You could hand any old idiot a drill, but only somebody who's good at sort of carpentry is going to be able to build you anything half decent. You know, you could hand me a drill and I'd be able to put a few bits of wood together and probably fall apart in a few weeks or, mm. you know, rot in the rain or be full of splinters and, and, and you know, I, c I can do it. But is it going to have the same quality as somebody who actually knows how to use a tool effectively? Um, I think it's going to be a really, really useful tool um, for people that need to churn out a lot of text in a short amount of time. Not, I'm not necessarily saying that that's a good thing because more content isn't always a good thing because we're just bombarded with it constantly. Um, but that's some people's jobs. Again, uh, not criticising that. And I think it'll be helpful there. Um, and I think it can it can teach you a lot. But at the same time, if you ask m most copywriters what their biggest challenge is, one of them is often getting a decent brief in the first place. Yeah. So if you can't provide a decent brief to your copywriter, who, again, can process it and link back to other projects that they've maybe done and and go from there and hopefully create something, how are you expecting an AI to do that? A very logical tool, because that's what they work on. They work on logic. If you can't provide them with a decent brief, you're not going to get anything of, of quality. So if you can't provide that for a copywriter, then just because ChatGPT can do it for free doesn't mean it's going to be any good because you can't you can't brief it properly. Um, so I do think it will change the industry, and I think there will maybe be a boom of people creating AI-generated content and packaging up and selling that for really, really cheap. Um, but will it, you know, erase copywriters or writers in general off the face of the earth? No, I don't think so. Um, in the same way that uh, tools like Midjourney, I don't think are going to erase artists off the planet either. Um, because I think it's kind of in human nature, a, a lot of human nature to want to create something. Um, and you know, it, it takes takes a bit out of that. Um, 
and then you've got all the ethical questions about where is it taking the content from uh, yeah. you know the ai art is taking a lot of sort of scraped work that people have put hours and hours into and kind of amalgamated that into something else um same with chat gpt it's taking you know writing and and and, and scraping that and creating new stuff with it so there, there's the ethics concerns um as well but again no expert in ai do i use chat gpt um to help me write yes absolutely sometimes it's really good for helping to create sort of skeletons or you know helping to generate sort of lists of, of content ideas sometimes it's really good at helping you sort of brainstorm and, and chatting through it but then at the same time you know kira was was working on trying to think of some blog titles um and it was a really funny conversation that she was having it it was like speaking to a pigeon um because <laughs> every time it generated a title with a colon in it and right. each time she was saying again can you create these titles without a colon sends it again got a colon in it without a colon sends it again all got colons in it without a what part of this aren't you understanding can you generate these titles without the use of a colon does it again with that colon and it's like at that point it's like that meme where the guy picks up the laptop and just throws it out the window um and it was it, again it was a really funny exchange but again, it does just prove that there are limitations to these tools because actually yeah. at that point it would have been quicker to just go away and write the titles yourself. Yeah. Chat GPT just wasn't getting it. Mm. It's uh it's gonna be so interesting to see how it affects different industries like not just Chat GPT, but there was a sales call going around LinkedIn last week, the AI generated sales call from Tesla, I wanna say. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was because okay. he was he was booking a meeting. Um, it was like an SDR booking a meeting for a, a Tesla, and you know it's an interesting call. It, how the guy didn't know know something was off, very strange. Makes me think it was staged. But for me, the way I see it is, I think humans that we're so emotional, we're so emotion driven, right? We yeah. buy with emotion. And we make terrible decisions due to emotion. But when you when you find out something isn't from a human, it has a different feel to it, I think. And going back to what you were saying a minute ago, like with art specifically, anything creative. Um, okay, so if I said to you, yeah, there's a new Leonardo DiCaprio film out. But it's all AI generated. It's not actually DiCaprio on film. They didn't even use cameras. They did it on a on a on a, on a computer. So it's it's it DiCaprio's likeness generated for a thing. And I told you that before the movie. I don't think you'd be as interested to see the movie anymore for some reason. The movie might be fucking awesome. It might be better than it might be DiCaprio's best movie. But it's it's, it's now not it's now not a real movie. And I think you nailed it there. That is right. It generates such a weird feeling with people. And you are absolutely right. If somebody told me that a movie was 100% AI generated, I'd be like, no. <laughs> no. Because it, it, it does, it takes away from the art that people have worked so, so hard to create. Um, when you hear about all, sort of the, the whole thing with the, the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer at the moment, both look like incredible 
incredible films and you hear about sort of like Christopher Nolan's career and all the work that he's done um, to actually generate a lot of it with visual effects rather than CGI yeah. um, and using practical effects and stuff like that. It's incredible. And hearing about it and all the stuff and all the work that's gone into it is just amazing. And I think there's something in us in humans that really value the hard work that goes into stuff. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I don't know with people, does it almost get people's backs up a little bit? That AI feels just like cheating that, cheating the hard work that it takes to get there. I don't mm. know, but you are right. It does conjure a weird feeling in people. Yeah, for me, it's like it, it goes down to the whole like soul thing. And mm. um, like I was, I'm a big Oasis fan. And there's nothing I want more than Oasis to get back together, right? This um, this band, they uh, created they created this album. They just did all the instrumentals, and they wrote the lyrics, and then they ran the lyrics through an AI generator and got Liam Gallagher, but not Liam Gallagher today, peak Liam Gallagher from the mid '90s when his voice was at the best. So, 25 year old Liam Gallagher to sing the lyrics and they just they put it as like you know oasis is hidden out al- a lost album or something like their new album whatever um and it's awesome it's really good actually like if the album came out i think i'd probably be like this is awesome i really like this album and i was listening yeah. to it and it, it made me happy because it was like this what is what it would be like if they made a new album um but then it made me really sad because it wasn't real. But it is real. Yeah. But it's yeah. not Liam. It's not actually Liam. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I I haven't quite figured out why that is yet. But there's something about that connection, this human to human connection. Um, and I suppose you could argue, you know, it's one of those things where you know if people never find out that it's generated by an AI, or the salesman on the other end of the phone is an AI, then it doesn't matter, does it? Because you, you just sort of assume it's done by a human. But are we going to get to a point? Yeah. Yeah, but are we going to get to a point where you, you either you're really sceptical of everything being AI generated, similar to what people are going from on LinkedIn at the moment. Any, anytime mm-hmm. someone writes a LinkedIn post, which is sort of chat GPT, everyone goes, is that chat GPT? So immediately they're not giving you your post any credit. You message the person, you go, did you write that on chat GPT? And then they're like, no. So, right, so that's actually you. Yeah, it is. Okay, cool. I'll give it a like then. But it's, um, it, I, I, basically, are we going to become just constantly skeptical or is it going to get to a point where, you know, they're saying that salespeople, for example, AI salespeople, they'll have to disclose that they're an AI at the start of the call. And then that, and then it's up to you whether or not you want to continue the conversation. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be super interesting, especially with the creative kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, and I just personally don't feel like you're gonna lose your job as a copywriter anytime soon. I hope not, because I've got a child to feed. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, you know, I think there's something about living as a human and the human experience that colours sort of things that you do, especially create, you know, with creativity. Um, and look, nothing's original. Everything's stolen. Everything mm. is influenced by something else. Um, you know, 
having an original thought is you know pretty much unheard of because we're all human and, and live the human experience um but you know there's something weird about when i see these um photoshop so the the generative ai mm. feel that they're using on sort of old paintings and what one of my favorite paintings is um the starry night um by van gogh um it's one of my absolute favorite paintings because you just look at that and there's just it just conjures just such a wonderful sort of feeling in you and then you read about his life and things like that and it's just it, there's something really special about those paintings and then you see the ones where people are like oh look what ai has done and it's filled in the rest of the painting but then you actually read about he he created that painting when he was staring out his very very small window uh i think it was um some type of mental health facility at the time which obviously back then wouldn't have been there you know hmm. as it would be today and he only had this really small window in which to look out of which is why it's such a, a tightly composed image and actually then when you do that generative ai feel like yeah sure it looks pretty but it completely takes away from what that painting was about in the first place um and that takes you back to as you've said about the soul behind stuff it's um sometimes it can just feel a bit surface level and a little bit shallow um and yeah i think it sometimes just takes away how art and creativity and creation actually makes you feel and yeah. it should make you feel stuck because i think that's really important because now so much stuff is becoming automated and we spend less, less time actually speaking to people and more time speaking to machines stuff making you feel is is a good thing and stuff making you connect with people is a good thing so you know if if what you do can can do that i think that's only positive gone on a, on a right tangent there and i feel like that's gone uh, way too deep but yeah um i think a good um a good thing to watch with that is is pixar's uh film soul i just think mm -hmm. that's a really lovely depiction of sort of art and creation and, and and things like that and how you know can something that's just scraping all the collective creativity of humans sort of replicate that it, it can replicate it but it, i don't think it's going to replace it yeah no i totally agree it's going to be very interesting to see what happens but we are entering um un interesting times yeah yeah. Is unventured yeah. a word? Yeah. Like when you haven't been down the You can make up any words. You know as what I'm saying? As long as you sell Unve it, you can make up any words. Yeah. We're like venturing down an unventured path. I think that's the way to put it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. Um, I think just to close this off as well, I think it would be really interesting if you could just give a an overview of your personal creative process. Um, mm. Like, so if you've got a challenge in brief, what what is it you actually do but from a step-by-step -step process? Um, and it doesn't just have to be like, you know, the the technical stuff, you know, I have a framework I work to, whatever. But do you have like, do you have a way that you stay productive? Do you do the Pomodoro technique? Do you go down to the coffee shop? Like, how do you actually get creative? I have a very intense brain that doesn't switch off. But at the same time, um, I need deadlines to get stuff done. If something has sort of a really vague deadline of get it done, whatever, it will just absolutely never get done because I've got no pressure on me. 
Um, so um, when it comes to creative process, um, it's going to be really crap advice for your listeners because I don't actually have one. Um, yeah. But I think one of the, the really important things I do is make sure I've always got something nearby when something does strike me that I can note it down. Um, so either my phone next to the bed or something to write stuff down because I get ideas interested. The most random times like I'll be walking the dog and something will just hit me and I'll be like, well, I need to write this down. I've left my phone at home. And then by the time I've got home, I've forgotten. Um, but I think if something's really, really challenging um, and you sat there staring at it on your laptop screen, the worst thing you can do is sit there and carry on staring at it. Um, so the, my favourite thing to do, and again, you'll probably hear this from loads of writers, is get up and go for a walk or just do something completely different. Go for a shower, have a workout, do do something that's not staring at that brief because your ideas don't strike you when you're trying to force them to happen. They happen when you least expect it because ideas generally happen when your brain can finally sort of switch off. Mm. Um, so Kira, um, I know is a really big, um, proponent of things like meditation. Um, and she's very, very good at it as well. Um, she can kind of completely switch off her brain. Um, I can't sit still for five minutes. So, um, I really struggle to sort of switch off my brain. So I find doing something completely different, completely unrelated to the task is really good for actually helping to sort of get the ideas to sort of smack you in the face. Um, so that's really important, getting up and just doing something completely different. Um, and, you know, if you're really struggling, go back to the client and ask them for some more info, ask them for a chat, a phone call, sometimes just speaking to somebody about it can then suddenly get the cogs whirring and suddenly you're just filled with ideas and you're like, actually, great, I've got it. We, we, can, we can go ahead now. Um, speaking to other people, you know, even somebody who doesn't necessarily you know did the same job as you sometimes i'll ask my husband i'm like how does this sound and he doesn't work in copywriting and you know he he by his own admission he's not a super creative person um but i'll ask him you know how does this sound and actually just speaking to somebody who doesn't do that is is really really helpful too um because they haven't actually got all these biases that you've got and all these you know preconceived ideas um so we had a copy project recently um, and we were really struggling with this just one little piece of copy. And it was only just sort of like two words to fit on there to match with another piece that we'd done. And it just wasn't coming. Um, and he spoke to his wife and she just nailed it. She just nailed it. She came back and said, well, how about this? I was like, that is absolutely perfect. And now I'm like, now I feel bad charging you money um, for this project because your wife's come up with that. But, you know. Here we are. It was the other copy that, you know, influenced it. Yeah. Um, so speaking to people unrelated to what you're doing is really helpful too. Um, and then I think just go back to basics. Just just go back to basics. You know, if there's a writing framework you can follow, follow that. So people will often talk about the aid so attention, interest, desire, action. Just follow that. Just follow that. Create something. Get some words on the page send it to somebody else to have a look at and then when it comes back by the time it comes back with their ideas you can probably start chopping and changing and making it something 
really fresh and new, but because you've gone back to basics, you've actually managed to get something on on paper. And sometimes that's the hardest part is once you've got something written, you've got something to go off then. Um, and it's it's a lot easier to create something from something rather than create something from nothing. So, you know, and I think that applies to actually a lot of industries. It, it definitely applies to recruitment. If you're really struggling, just go back to the basics. Yeah. Just go back to the basics. Um, and actually, because you know that stuff, it's like muscle memory. You know how to do that. You're giving your brain space to actually start thinking of all the creative stuff to help improve what you, you, you've already done. So I think if you're really start, starting out from scratch or you're really struggling, um, then, then those are the key things. Get back to basics. Speak to people outside your industry and outside what you do. Just go for a walk. Just go for a walk. Clear the cobwebs. Have a coffee because, you know, nice to have a coffee. Um, <laughs> and then hopefully you should get things, uh, get things moving. Awesome. Great. Well, I think that's a good way, good, good place to end it, actually. So um, where can people find you? Um, how would they potentially work with you? So LinkedIn, you can pop me a message. You can email help at com or sarah at com or kira at com, depending on who you prefer to speak to. But I do warn you, the help inbox is also manned by myself and Kira. So either way, you've got one of us. Um, yeah. Um, I always say, uh, again, it's on my profile, give me a bell. Actually, no, don't. I've got far too many bells and in mail will do. Um, but anywhere you want to reach out is is absolutely fine. Um, the less phone calls, the better, because I'm I'm six months into needing to call the dentist and I still haven't done it. So um, there we go. But a chat's always good too, because uh, the only people I tend to speak to is my, uh, my dogs on a day-to-day basis. So... Yeah, reach out to me anyway, and um, yeah, I can have a chat about how we can help you. What words that sell, hopefully. Awesome, nice one. I put all the links and everything to your stuff um, in in, yeah, in the bio and everything. Cool. Been a, been a, an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. Yeah.